Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church. Hello there. Did you know that your work is worship? We sometimes have a wrong idea. You know there are 168 hours in a week. And for some reason, the devil has tricked us into thinking that worship is just for a couple of hours on a Sunday in a special building or a special place. And then the rest of the week is for other things, not important things, not spiritual things. But actually, the Bible says that work is worship and that we should be aware of the devil's schemes and tricks to try and get us away. Imagine if you were supposed to be worshiping for 168 hours a week. And the devil had tricked you to ignore most of that and think that your work is just something else and unimportant and that worship is only that thing you're doing in a church service. Imagine what a victory that would be for him. And the Bible says that we are not unaware of the devil's schemes or tricks or devices or plans. And so what he's done is he's tried to make us think that worship is different to what we do the rest of our lives, or a second trick that he has tried is he's tried to make us think that work is a bad thing or, or not God's idea, that God didn't want us to be working. And so what I want to do today is just to go through a few verses and show you how your work is worship, but also how it can just release joy and power and life into those other 160 odd hours of your week. So Genesis chapter 1 starts off before sin entered the world, God made man in his image. Verse 26 says, We're going to make them in our likeness. Um, God says, I'm going to make man in our likeness, which means all the creativity, all the 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 characteristics that God has in creating the world, He's putting in us to be able to do things for him. And do you remember on the seventh day, he rested from all the work he had been doing. So work is part of what God loves to do. And he's put that in man. Let us make man according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Notice he says all the earth. It's not just a little sacred place. It's not just the Garden of Eden or, or the temple or the, the holy place over all the earth. And then he goes on in verse 28. It says, then God blessed them. You can imagine him just smiling and pouring blessing on them, saying, I'm giving you my favor, my power, my life, uh, my authority. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. And the way that Adam was supposed to, Adam and Eve, because it said God made them male and female, the way they were supposed to spread out and, and fill the earth was through work. God gave them a garden. We saw it in, in Genesis 2. It says, Then the Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Or another version says to work it. 
And the idea was there's this garden that's beautiful, it's orderly, it's verdant, it's, it's full of life and God's beauty. And that is supposed to be extended, fill the earth with what is in this garden, but you've got to work it. You've got to spread it and you've got to work it. And so before sin ever entered the world, God gave man work to do. And then he brought the animals and Adam had to use his brain to sort the animals into categories and give them names and, and uh, structure to the way that they were categorized. And that was part of God's plan for man. We know that Adam and Eve went on to sin and, and sin entered the world. And in Genesis chapter 3, it says that work would then become difficult, not as easy as it had been before. But I want you to see that work was part of God's plan right from the start. And we see this pattern repeated. So Noah, a few chapters later in Genesis chapter 9, it says, God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Exactly the same words that he'd given to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful. First of all, it says he blessed them. And then it says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And what did they do? Verse 20 of Genesis 9 says, Noah began to be a farmer and he planted a vineyard. Noah interpreted what God had said. He's landed on Mount Ararat. The whole world has been wiped out by a flood. And he starts to fill the earth with God's blessing, with God's life by becoming a farmer. Work is beautiful. Work is of God. Work can be of God. Now, I know that work can seem difficult and we often have frustrations. Often it's interpersonal issues, a boss who doesn't treat us properly or workmates or maybe it's just the work itself is not enjoyable but let's not lose sight of God's plan work can be worship you know you were put on this earth with gifts and talents and abilities and and passions and desires and a calling from God to do something good for God Ephesians 2 verse 10 says you are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God has prepared in advance for you to do. There is a work for you to do. Yes, you can rest in God's presence without having to work to please Him. He loves you even if you do no work, but you'll be unfulfilled. You won't be using all the potential that God has put within you. And so we want to learn how to make work worship. What about Abraham? I've spoken of Adam and Eve. I've spoken of Noah. They were blessed. They were told to extend God's kingdom. And then they started working. Abraham in Genesis 12. Now the Lord God had said to Abraham, get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. There's that word bless again. God puts his blessing, his power, his favor, his ability on us in order for us to do something great. I will bless you and make your name great. You shall be a blessing. It's not just a receiving of a blessing from God. It's a passing it on. And I will bless those who bless you. I will curse him who curses you. God wants to fight on your behalf and, and make you his special person wherever you work or wherever you are. Um, all the families in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. It's going to spread to the whole earth, this blessing. Uh, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him and Lot went with him. And we then see them 
growing with flocks and herds and and people and and they spread out over the earth and it later says that their wealth became greater and greater and they did great things work is part of worship it's not just a few hours in a sacred place it's everything we do it's every relationship it's every part of our lives consider this verse from 1 corinthians 10 verse 31 therefore whether you eat or drink or whatever you do do all to the glory of god that word whatever means whatever i've got a news flash for you in the greek in the original language whatever means whatever whatever you do whether you're eating whether you're watching a movie whether you're playing sport whether you're working at your desk whether you're sweeping a street teaching in a classroom looking after your children changing a child's nappy whatever it is you're doing whatever you do do it all for the glory of god that's a description of worship you mean i can be washing the dishes and god can get glory yes do it all for the glory of god we've spoken of adam noah abraham what about king david when he was a teenager the prophet samuel came to him in 1 Samuel 16 verse 13 it says then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers and the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward so Samuel arose and went to Ramah so as a young teenage boy he is anointed and the spirit of God comes upon him from that day forward that sounds like worship that sounds like serving the Lord but what did David do with that? Well, he went out and he tended sheep for his father. He did whatever was required in his daily life, and it was all worship. You read the Psalms and you see David speaking of worship in terms of everyday activities and every part of his life, wherever he was, whatever time of day it was, whatever he was doing, the Spirit of the Lord was on him and he was worshiping God. Let's read. A summary of his life, Psalm 78 verse 70 says, God also chose David his servant, took him from the sheepfolds, from following the ewes that had young, he brought him to shepherd Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So David shepherded them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. David's life, his work, included shepherding sheep, but also shepherding people. And it included integrity of heart, but it also included skillfulness of hands. David used all of his life to worship the Lord because the Spirit of the Lord had come upon him. He was anointed. I just want to make a quick side note here about this word anointed you know the word christ that we use it's the name of jesus jesus christ it means in the original language anointed one because anointed that pouring of oil over the head was done to priests and kings in the old testament and jesus is our ultimate high priest he goes between god and us and he is the king of kings and the lord of lords jesus was the anointed one but we are called Christians, which means little Christ, which means we are also anointed ones. And there are several verses in 1 John 2, it says, you have an anointing. 
in Revelation 1 verse 6, it says, we are all priests and kings. Those are the two categories that were anointed. Uh, in 1 Peter, it says that we are a royal priesthood. Royal means king. Priesthood means priests. We are priests and kings. You say, what? I'm not a priest. I'm not a king. My friend, when you gave your life to Jesus, God anointed you with his Holy Spirit. And that meant, he said, I'm giving you authority, blessing. You remember that blessing that he poured over Adam and Noah and Abraham and all the rest? God says, I'm giving you blessing and power. But it's to be a priest, which means you represent God to people wherever you go, in your workplace, in your social life. And you represent people to God in your prayer life. And you're a king because you're bringing God's kingdom everywhere you go. You say, what is God's kingdom that I'm bringing everywhere I go? It's God's will. Do you remember we were told in Matthew 6 to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wherever God's will is being done on earth as it is in heaven, that's where his kingdom is growing. And we are his kings because we're bringing his kingdom, his will from heaven to earth. We're saying there's poverty. I'm going to bring supply. There's ignorance. I'm going to bring education. There's suffering. I'm going to bring relief. Uh, there's guilt. I'm going to tell them about Jesus' forgiveness. We bring heaven. We bring God's will to earth. And so we are kings and priests, all of us. And now this is an interesting point. All of us are ministers. You remember at the start of my talk today, I spoke of the devil's schemes or his tricks. And I said that one of his tricks is to make us think that work is not of God. Another trick is to make us think that worship is just for a little closed off time in the week or space in the week. Another one of his tricks is to make us think that there are still certain people who are clergy and others who are laity. Now, those are religious words that people have made up. They're not Bible words. They, they're religious words that humans have invented. Because in the Old Testament, there were priests, and then there was just the general population. So you could say there were clergy and laity in the Old Testament. It, it is true. There was a group of priests, the tribe of Levi, and they were supposed to do the priestly duties and other tribes weren't allowed to do the priestly duties. And so the priests did the sacrifices in the temple. Uh, they did the prayers with the incense and they carried out the rituals. They received the tithes and the offerings from people. Uh, there was a class of people who were priests who were different from the rest of the population. But I've already told you two verses um, in the New Testament, which say we are all priests and kings. And in the New Testament, there is no longer clergy and laity. Now, this is a mind-bending fact for some people, because we have been so ingrained to think in religious terms, and so we don't often look at what the Bible says. And so we just assume, well, there's supposed to be clergy who do the ministry. You know, you go to a church and you see a person dressed in special robes and you think, wow, they, they've studied for so many years and they've got a special qualification and, and they are allowed to be the priests. 
they're the ones who are allowed to do certain types of ministry and and they must be closer to God. I need to go to them or through them to get to God. I can't go to God directly. We think all these things because A, many of our religious practices around us make us think that, but B, because we, we stuck in the Old Testament and we haven't understood that Jesus came as a trailblazer. He broke the barrier. He said, I am the ultimate priest and king. And then he broke the barrier and he said, now I'm going to pour out my anointing on everyone and everyone will become priests and kings. Now, why am I saying all this? Because it's one of the devil's schemes. If he can make you think that only ministers, only ordained special priestly clergy can do ministry, then he has succeeded in making you think that work, working as a truck driver, as a digger, as an accountant, as a teacher, as a whatever, he can make you think that work is not holy, it is secular, it is somehow less important, it is dirty, and then ministry is this holy, glowing thing that is blessed by God. If he can make you think there are clergy and laity, he can exclude you from ministry. There's a verse in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, where it talks about God, Jesus, giving gifts to the church. And it mentions five categories of gifts or people. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. But then it tells you what they're supposed to do. Let me read it to you. It says, He himself, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So these are gifted people. Prophets have a gifting for speaking God's words. Apostles have a gifting for setting up churches and making sure they're correctly set up. Teachers can teach the Bible. Pastors love to care for people. Evangelists love to reach the lost. But listen to what the Bible says the job description of these five people are. You see, we sometimes think, oh, well, they're the clergy. They're the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They're the ones who do the ministry. And the rest of us pay our money at the offering plate. And we sit and we watch, just like watching a show or a movie. And we receive the ministry. They're the priests. They're the holy ones. They do the ministry. We watch the ministry. And then we go home and we pay them because they're the ones who do it and we're the ones who receive it. But listen to what it says. He himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. It says their job is to equip. That means enable, train, a release, equip the saints for the work of ministry. So who are the saints? Again, our religious minds and maybe the world around us has told us only a very small, special class of people are saints. They have to have done certain things, but that's not in the Bible. Again and again in the Bible, the word saint is used to speak of all Christians. It just means holy ones. We, if we've given our lives to Jesus, if we believed in his sacrifice on the cross for us, we are called saints, holy ones, because his blood has washed us and made us clean. The minute you give your life to Jesus, you're a brand new Christian. 
you haven't learnt anything, you haven't done anything, you haven't studied or been ordained, you are called a saint in the Bible. And it says, the job of these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers is not to do the ministry. Please hear me. It's not to do the ministry. It's to equip the saints to do the ministry. We've said, Revelation 1 verse 6 says, we are all priests and kings. And 1 Peter says, we are a royal priesthood. We are all anointed, 1 John 2 says. And Ephesians 4 here says that we are all supposed to be equipped for ministry. Why am I saying this? Because it's impossible for us all to do ministry if ministry is only two hours on a Sunday morning. Ministry must be when I'm working, when I'm earning money, when I'm looking after children, when I'm caring for the needy, when I'm relaxing at home, when I'm doing all the different things, those must be part of ministry because we are all supposed to be doing ministry. Now, you might say to me, Greg, what does this really look like? What does this mean? I mean, I get up in the morning, I go to my work, I do what my boss tells me to do. How is that ministry? And I want to say to you a couple of points. The first is that God cares about that profession that you're doing. Whatever profession you're doing, God wants good street cleaners. God wants good painters and decorators. God wants good doctors and radiographers and all the different jobs you can imagine. Secretaries, administrators, uh, lawyers. It doesn't matter what job it is. God wants good people doing those jobs well because he told Adam and Eve and Noah and Abraham and everyone else, fill the earth, spread out and bring my kingdom, my order, my life in every area of the whole world. Fill the earth, fill the legal profession, fill the administrative profession, the accounting profession, the, the stay-at-home parent profession, whatever it is, fill the earth with my glory. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And God wants you to do your job well. God gets glory. Worship is given to God and God gets glory when you do your job well. When you use your gifts and your studying abilities and your intellect and your time and your energy and your emotion to do your job well. God gets glory. Be a good whatever it is you are. Put in the, in the blank there, whatever your job or if you're a stay-at-home person, whatever it is, put that in the blank and say, that is worship. God wants good, whatever that name is. He wants you to do your work for His glory. The second thing is we're told to be salt and light. We're told to shine His glory wherever we go and to be salt in the world. And salt is tasty. It creates thirst. Uh, it stops decay. These are things we're supposed to be doing. And we need to be out there in the world. Salt, if it's just kept in the salt shaker, doesn't have any effect. It has to be on the food to do what it's supposed to do. You and I need to be out there in the world. There are people in your life, in your work, in your social life, who will never go to church. They'll never know Jesus unless they see him through you. And then lastly, you can tell people about Jesus and pray for them and see his power released in the world around you. I'm just going to read a couple of verses to close here, just to give you a bit of insight into this. 
1 Corinthians 15 verse 58, Paul is writing to the Corinthian church, the whole church, the saints, the whole body of believers. And he says, therefore, my beloved brethren, all of you, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Always. It's not a mistake that he used the word always because he meant not just in two hours or a special place or a special circumstance, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Give your work to the Lord. He will use it. You know, Paul the Apostle, when he went to Ephesus, he worked as a tent maker and he put handkerchiefs around his forehead and he wore an apron because those were the tools of his trade, making tents. He was an apostle, but he was working, making tents. He says in Acts 20, he did it as an example for the believers to show them to work hard and to be generous. But it says that people took those handkerchiefs and those aprons that he was wearing in his job and they put them on sick people and the sick people recovered. Why? Because work is holy. Work is blessed. Work is anointed. Work is worship. We are never, as the body of Christ, we are never going to get the job done of reaching the whole world for Christ if we rely on a tiny group of ordained, qualified people to do the ministry. It requires all of us. And then my last verse, Colossians, Paul writing to bond servants, which were kind of like articled clerks. He says, uh, verse 23, whatever you do, Do it heartily, whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever time of the week, whatever place you're in, whatever you do, do it heartily with enthusiasm, with passion, with energy. As to the Lord and not to men. You're not working for your boss. You're not working for a paycheck. You're working for the Lord. Work, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Father, thank you that my work is worship. Please help me, Lord, to shine you wherever I go. Please help me to be salt in the place that you've put me. And please help me to redeem all 168 hours a week for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry by making a donation on the giving page at leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.